Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, that this day is uh, within the schedule of your agenda for us to hear from you, for us to receive, for us to be transformed and forever changed so that we can live life as you called us to live, so that we can see as you call us to see. Give us vision that our hearts might be open to your word this morning like never before, and that we would cherish the treasure of your word, Lord, that we would treasure your truth, that we would embrace your reality and your plans and your directions for our lives, Lord, that we might enjoy that which you have set in order, Lord, that which you have designed. We give you thanks, Lord, that the loss, the temporary loss, Lord, because we know we will see Leo again, but the temporary loss of friends, of mentors, of heroes of the faith, Lord, cause us to go deeper into these affairs, cause us to question and to inquire of the Lord. And so we thank you that when we do so, Lord, you are the depth of all depth, Lord. There's nothing deeper, there's nothing real, that, that has more reality than you, O oh God. We pray that your word would reveal these things to us, Lord, that we would cherish them, embrace them, receive them, and have them do a good work in us, Lord, and further your purposes in our life, Lord, and call us and, and justify us and complete the work that you have started in us, Lord, as we come to know you in your entirety, Lord. Make us whole in you, Lord. We pray that you would prosper this word in the hearts of your people, Lord, and this word will expand to each and every generation, Lord, until you come again. We pray that you would bless and prosper and multiply your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was in 1963 at the New York Academy of Science. 1963. New York Academy of Science where they gather all the projects that have ever been uh, realized that come together. And one of the men there was called a Mr. Lorenz. And he submitted a project, and it basically stated that every time a butterfly flapped his wings, it would impact air molecules that would be impacting other air molecules that would impact other air molecules until they reached a certain area of the earth to create something we know as a hurricane. A butterfly flapping his wings would move air molecules across the face of the earth to such an extent and such influence that it would create somewhere upon the earth the powerful force of a hurricane on the other side of the planet. And at the time of this conference in 1963, as Mr. Lorenz began to speak on his project of knowing the impact, it's called the effect of the power of one. What one thing moves another thing that moves another thing, and all of a sudden, this huge, powerful influence occurs. Well, you could imagine that it seems and sounds like a ridiculous uh, theory. Uh, he was laughed out of the New York Academy of Science conference that year. Everybody began to say it was preposterous, it was ridiculous, how, how crazy it sounds that, uh, that a butterfly flapping his wings would have the effect of creating the power and the torrential force of a hurricane. But imagine that as um, he put forth this 
theory and tried to bring it forth to all these science teachers, professors, and scholars, and they mocked him. He called it the butterfly effect. Everybody began to, to mock him and make fun of him and ridicule him until further study of this in the scientific community was totally shocked in our universities. It was surprising 30 years later that this theory of the butterfly effect was actually confirmed. It's actually concluded that the butterfly effect is authentic and accurate and viable. And it was, it was so accurate and so tangible being found by physics professors in colleges and universities around the North American and around the world. It says that it's true. Not only is this a theory anymore, it's called a law, just like the law of gravity. The effects of one thing affects everything for a long time. The effects of, of the oneness of, of these things, and, and I want to go a little bit further. They called this law the sensitive dependence upon initial conditions. Noticing that not only do the butterfly wings affect and influence that which is far off and beyond, but all things are able to be set in motion by situations that move and move amazing effects. And this movement is true in any form, including and amongst peoples. It's not just the, 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 the latent, uh, un, the subtle, unexpected flap of a butterfly, but now bringing close in to the creation of God. I want to tell you something, that, that God has written a story, God has written a plan, and, and it's not two plans. I had a friend of mine once and, and says, Joaquin, I don't know what to do, there's five things on the table. I said, listen to me, there's only one thing on the table, and it's called the will of God. And, and you should not resist the will of God because it has purpose. And so we see and we're introduced to a God who is, can you say, one God? There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but there's only one God. And, and He only has one Word. And He created only one Son. And He created only a one Jesus Savior. And He created for us only one faith and one church and one baptism. And He only created one truth and one life. And so in this solidarity of God's oneness, we need to understand. He creates man, He creates one man. He creates woman, and He says the two shall become one. And in God's mind, there's never been two. There's never been a division, because that speaks of two visions. There's only one vision. And that's why the Bible tells us that we should be careful not to be a part of those that don't understand the oneness of the influence long term in everything we do. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, God told His people, Israel, understand that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. We are totally messed up. We are totally distant because of sin. Because of disobedience, because of rebellion, we begin to split everything that God intended to be one. And in that powerful force and effect of oneness, it carries on a lineage of purpose. Everything God does is that we might have one mind, one spirit, walk in one understanding, one family, one nation. He makes you part of one tribe. He puts you in a specific place where there's not a split in what is taking place. 
Unfortunately, some people don't understand this. As I read the Bible and I see Joshua 23, 14, Joshua is about to part and leave the people of Israel. And listen to these words, and I hope that you grasp the heart of God in what you're about to hear. This is Joshua writing this in Joshua 23, 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. I'm going to pass away and die. I'm leaving this earth. And you know in all your hearts, as you search your hearts, and he's talking about the six million people that he led through the desert into the promised land. He says, if you search in the depth of your heart, and if you go deeper yet into your soul, search out, seek these things, discover them, memorize and consider in the depth of who you are that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord has promised. Not one thing has been lost of what God had promised. And he continues on to say, those good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you, all of them have come to pass. Everything has has been realized. Everything that God wanted, it's a reality. And then he continues on to say, and he says, not one word has failed. You know what that is a tribute to? To a God of one. To a God that reduces all things to one thing. And you'll notice that all the things in our lives are many things. And you're trying to find out, okay, in the midst of all this that is going on, guess what? There's only one thing you must do. There's not a million things you must do. There's only one thing you must do. And you, you need to capture this in your spirit to understand. In Psalm 27, verse 4, David understood. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. And that's what I will seek. One thing. I'm not lost in many things. Psalm 27 verse 4. I'm not lost in in a myriad of craziness and confusion. That's a sign of not being in the Lord. When you're in the Lord, you're in that one thing. You're in the zone. You're in that one will. You're in that one truth. You have grasped on to that one cross. One redemption. And this will I seek that I could inquire and dwell in the house of the Lord. To gaze upon His beauty. To delight and consider my God in His temple. As the rich man came up to Jesus and he says, Look, uh, I'm seeking out the truth of life. What what should I do? And he says, "I, I I kept all the commandments. I've been honorable. I've been respectful. I watch. And he says, One thing you lack. Luke 18, 22. So Jesus heard these things and he said to them, you still lack one thing. Forget about everything you have. Get rid of it and you will get on that chart of the oneness of my purpose. You're still missing it. When Mary and Martha were sitting there arguing and they they were fighting about what was going to take place in Luke 10, 42. And Martha is sitting there going ballistic, ballistic, trying to cook some biscuits. And what happens? She's complaining. She's all over the place. And Jesus says, hey, Mary found that one thing. 
and this will not be taken away from her. Mary found that thing that was in line with what I want to do for a long time. She's embraced it. She's not confused. She's not overwhelmed. She's not chaotically going about going crazy. She's connected. And so I'm thinking how incredible the loss that occurs, the destruction that happens when we are robbed. I'm telling you something. We're robbed and destroyed when we are not on that track. When we're not, we don't understand the power of one. The influence one has. I'm always reminded of, of the man who was in the uh, parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14. He says to the one man, one talent was given. One measure was given. And he thought it wasn't important. I want to tell you today that you are important. That there's no one like you. There was never anybody like you before. There's no one like you now. There's not going to be anyone like you forever. You're that one thing that is supposed to occupy that one place to perform that one purpose to realize that one glory of God. And to be disconnected, and a lot of people are. They think they're not significant. They think that one doesn't matter. Missing church one day doesn't matter. Missing rehearsals one day doesn't matter. Hanging out with one worldly friend doesn't matter. Speaking one conversation out of God doesn't matter. Making one decision will be like that butterfly that creates a hurricane in the years to come. We don't understand. We don't understand the effect of being given that one talent and that you matter and that you are significant. You are that one wife for this man. He's not going to have another. And missing your call will mess him up for a thousand generations. One word spoken out of the mouth of a wife that's not according to the Spirit of God will create a loss of what God wants to do. This past year, three young girls... That you think, what could a young girl do? They were adolescents. They were teenagers. They have removed their families from the will of God. They have, they have left the calling of God of the families by one attitude, one decision, one, one scenario that wasn't inspired by the Spirit of God. And you'll see that this is a reality as we continue to, to look at these things a little bit closer. He says, Lord, you gave me. We're reading Matthew 25, verse 24. The man who had received one talent says, Master, I knew that these things were too severe. I know that your expectation for me was too serious. And you come looking for things where you have not sown. And you gather where you have not scattered. Just a wicked man, this guy. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid the talent you gave me, verse 25. I didn't do anything with that one thing. And, and understand that, that God, He places us in one place to do one thing, to participate in one team. And as I look at the Scriptures, I see this man with one talent thinking it's insignificant. I want to tell you that everything God has created has a purpose. I'm thinking of a baseball team. I'm thinking about nine players. I'm thinking them, they all get to the World Series, and only one player doesn't show up, the pitcher. 
And so they lose the game because the pitcher decided he wasn't important. He wasn't significant. His portion and part was not real. And another team, they show up to the World Series and now the whole team shows up except the catcher. So every time the pitcher throws, there's no one to catch. And he says, I didn't have to show up. I didn't have to be part of the team. They could have done it without me. No! On another world championship, the whole team shows up except first base. And every time they pitch, the catcher catches. But when they throw the first base, there's no one there. How could you expect the team to win? How has God put it in our hearts and in our mind that I can goof off? And it's not going to impact what God desires to bring to this world. A world-changing force of people like no other people on the earth that know where God has put them and know what God has called them to do. And they're, they've been lied to and deceived and, and they're walking in the understanding I'm not important, I'm not significant, I'm just a butterfly in the midst of the universe. No hurricane. No impact. There was only one deliverer that rose to take Israel out of Egypt. What if Moses says, I'm out in the desert, I have nothing to offer. There was only one voice crying in the desert, John the Baptist. There was only one small boy with two fish and five bread that filled the multitude and satisfied the hunger of a multitude of 5,000. Who are you? What is the significance of your life? You know what discipleship is? It's you coming back to the place to knowing who you are in the kingdom. But if you don't show up to be discipled, we'll never know what God had intended. That process of being in the world, they, they had denigrated God. The people that left God and started serving the sun and the moon and the stars and became polytheists. They had a multiple interest. You know what they were able to do? Nothing. Because they lost the, the, the direction and the momentum of the focus of the one God. One, one commandment that you love one another. One spirit. Do not go to another country. Do not take my message to another people unless you receive the power from on high. That will make you one spirit and one people with one mind. One purpose. One glory. And so I'm saying, Lord... Bring us to your plans. Bring us to your realities. After today, I will begin to understand the significance that we've been robbed. And Satan has been successful in in stripping us with his strategy. The power and significance of what God has called us to. There was a man here in the United States not long ago during the Civil War. And this, this is a powerful historical event. He was a school teacher, but when the Civil War came, they made him a colonel in the, in the Army of the North, the Union. And he was over 80,000 men. And they were to keep and protect the North on the whole left side in Gettysburg, Connecticut. And they said, make sure not one Confederate soldier comes through or we will lose the Civil War. 80,000 men. They were attacked the first time. They won. They were sitting at the top of a mountain looking down, and they won that battle. 
They were attacked a second time and they won that battle too. They were attacked a third and a fourth time and they won that battle too. His name was Joshua Chamberlain. And he was the colonel. And his cousin was in the army and says, look, we better, we better retreat and come back because these people are not getting tired and they're growing all the stronger and we've already lost 20,000 soldiers. We're only down to 60,000 and we, we only have a couple of ammunition. And he says, well, start picking up the bullets on their fourth attack. Start picking up the bullets of the men who have died. And he says, we did that on the fourth attack. Well, then how many bullets do each soldier have? Some have two bullets. Some only have one. And they attacked him again. And he had to think whether or not he would retreat. And he says he remembers that he would rather die doing what God commanded him to do than to retreat and be shot in the back. And so when the fifth attack came up, the fifth charge, the other side of, of the Union of the Confederates, the South, had about 60,000 soldiers. And here, uh, Colonel Chamberlain only had 20,000. They had three times the number. And when they ran out of bullets on that fifth charge, they won, but they, they were, were, were without bullets. And the, the, the South backed off again. And so he says, look, we got to retreat now. we gotta, we got to move our post. We can't stand our post. And he says, no, we're going to stand. We're going to stand and, and, and fill that place where we have, been, we, we have been commissioned. And as the troops of the South came up a sixth time, he commanded everyone to put their bayonet, which is the, the knife, on their rifles. And he commanded all of them to charge down the hill towards the, conf uh, the, the Confederates that were coming up. And these guys says, these guys are insane. They've already, we've already went against them five times, and now they're not retreating. Now they're coming towards us with their rifles without bullets. They didn't know they, they didn't have bullets. But the force of their courage, the force of standing, their influence and power caused the South to retreat and to run away. And the leader of the South surrendered his gun full of bullets to Colonel Chamberlain's bayonet. And he brought four times the amount of soldiers to the north they surrendered. And that kept the Union solid. You know why the United States is so powerful? Because it's one nation under one God. Indivisible. That's the power. Had it not been like that during the Second World War when Japan came in, we could not fight against the Japanese and the Germans at the same time. We needed that one people that would stand on, uh, in that, upon that one understanding, the principle of God. And I'm wondering why we have lost this understanding. I'm wondering why the devil has so easily caused us to surrender such a powerful truth. We have evidence in the Bible in Joshua chapter 7. That Israel is conquering Jericho, a powerful city. And, and unleashes the wrath of God to, to capture Jericho with huge walls. A huge enemy, a huge opposition. And then in Joshua chapter 7, they go against a very small city of Ai. And why is it called Ai? Because Ai, Ai, Ai. How horrible it was that one man decided, one man decided not to listen to God. To, God had said, do not touch a Babylonian um, 
then don't even touch one thing that belongs to them. And this man thinks, it's only one, there's six million of us. How bad is it going to be that I would take a Babylonian garment and, and say, let me hide it and no one's going to know. Let me stick it somewhere where no one sees. L listen, my friend, this is you. This is you. Let me, let me hide this in my life. Nobody sees it. And the Bible says Israel began to suffer defeat and loss because of one man who had hidden a Babylonian, a foreign object, that which did not pertain to God, and a slice of gold. Let me, let me keep it here and we'll surely win. What happened? God says, no more victories for my people. And, and Joshua said, why, Lord? He says, because there's sin in the camp. You have broken the principle of one. You have caused confusion to enter the camp. And he begins to separate the tribes. And he finds that one tribe. And in that one tribe, that one clan, and that one family, and that one man, and say, this is the reason we can't go forward. This is that one word. This is that one decision. And God calls them to eliminate and exterminate this man. To get, remove him. Remove he who walks in selfishness from among my people. Because it affects the power and the influence of one. Have you heard the principle in Ecclesiastes that he who sows the wind will reap the whirlwind? That you who do nothing will create something so powerfully destructive? That one moment that you're supposed to be where God wants you to be will serve to, to debilitate the whole group, the whole nation, the whole development? You! The power of one, the, the significance of that which God has created. If you're a leader, a teacher, a manager, if you're an employee that's missing, if you're a parent that has abandoned ship, if you're a friend that is no longer a friend, how powerful, let me ask you a question, how powerful is one friend? Have, I just lost a friend. How powerful, amazingly powerful. The encouragement, the fellowship, the words that are uplifting, the wisdom. One friend. That's why the Bible says do not even have one friend that loves the world. Not even, but pastor, they're my friends. Yeah, they're going to take you out of the God-created agenda. Just one friend. Just one night. One word. A girl last year says, I only went to bed with him one time. Now she's bringing in a, a, a daughter into this world without a father. Just one time. One decision. One response. If you guys see the lack of of tolerance I have in this place for the most smallest remote of rebellion. Why? It only takes one seed. One seed to affect a whole people. And we don't think so. We've been, we've been totally deceived by the devil. How far in the distance will you be able to go to see the effects of a wrong decision? A friend of mine tells another friend, we'll just see in the years to come. We might not have time to change the clock in the years to come. You have set in motion an order that will bring destruction, 
to your people for three and four generations. Or you could set in motion what God says. He who loves me shall bless a thousand generations of those who follow. Your decisions, your time, your ministry. It's not about someone else. Make sure you take inventory. Who called you? Make sure your decisions are upon his calling. Where will a left turn take you? Where will a right turn take you? Where will you end up? Where are these people going to end up? A counsel that's not the counsel of the Lord. A decision that's not made by the Spirit of God. One decision. Where is a wrong decision going to take you? A wrong turn. And I'm just thinking, Lord, have mercy on us. The generations that are coming depend on me. The lives impacted depend on me. The decisions I make will be shaped each and every day of the future that lies ahead. The spirit that holds my heart as I make decisions, it better be a humble spirit. It better be a spirit of humility and not a spirit of pride. The power and effects of one will serve to change the world or destroy it. How, how, what's the difference between life and death? Can you tell me? Say one breath. It's the difference between life and death. That you not have the next breath. It's one sun that shines and prevails over darkness. One song that inspires. One song that these worship team might write will change the course of this church. One song that God would give them to inspire us to march into the battles of the Lord. Understand when God called you, He put you in one body. One hope He gave us. One calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God and Father of all, one Spirit. And he says in Ephesians 4, 6, In all these things, God connected them together. All these things are connected by God, one God, the Father of us all, who is above all, through all, and in all. How many are there? One. There need not be an argument. That's why the Bible says don't dispute with the fool. It's only one counsel. When we gather as wise men, and every time we've had a controversy at, at church, I will gather the wise elders. I will gather those who have the mind of Christ. We will speak in unison. We're not going to speak three different things. It'll be one voice so you could sure it's not the pastor. The pastor doesn't have it out for you. It's the voice of the body of Christ. One body of which you are a member. So I gather the elders. We go over to the person who's having a split personality, a divided mind, a double mind. And we'll say, listen to the, to the words of wisdom. There is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. You know what they say? Uh, I'm upset. Why did you bring all these people? You know why you're upset? Because you wanted to do something contrary to the mind of Christ. You didn't want to walk in the Spirit of God. There can't be so many people that love God that are all wrong. And they're all giving you that one advice. And you know what he says? He says, well, I'm going to continue to do what I think. I'm going, to, I'm going to raise up and do what I perceive. I don't care about what you guys say. I don't care what you think. I'm not interested in what the body says. And fine with me. That's, that's respectful. But my Bible says, do not hang out with people like that. Romans 16, 17. If there's anyone who has their heart set on division... 
who doesn't want to play as part of a team, who doesn't want to understand the significance of what he's doing. He says, brethren, I urge you. This is urgent. That's where the word urgent comes from. Note those who cause a separation. Note those who tell a man and a woman, you don't need to be together no more. Note those who tell a youth, you don't have to listen to your father. Note those who tell uh, the church, you don't need to listen to the voice of God. Those who cause division, offenses, contrary to the teaching which you have learned, avoid them. Stand clear. Be careful. One star can guide a ship. One vote can change a nation. One candle can light and wipe out darkness. One laugh can change the gloom. One word starts a prayer. One book can change the course of your life. One life can make a difference. One man can change the world. One grace. And as Paul is talking about these things in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, brethren... Make sure you know where God has called you. Ephesians 4.1 Make sure you understand how significant your part is in this. I'm sitting in jail, but I beseech you to walk worthy of your call which you have called. Where, how has God called us? Verse 2 That you would walk in humility, in meekness, in loneliness. As one, loving one another. You cannot be one if everybody's standing up for their own interest. If anybody, everybody's walking according to their own desire. There's no oneness in there. That's why schizophrenia is such a problem. For you to have two people, split personality, a double personality in your same body telling you two different things. You can't have that. That's called a disease, an illness, a manifestation of that which is wrong. Verse 3. Come together as one. That's your calling. The power of one. Endeavor to keep, say with me, united in spirit. How will we ever perform what God has called us to perform as everyone is walking in a different spirit? Some serving the spirit of mammon and some serving the spirit of the Lord. In the bond of peace. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. Are you a part of that body? Are you filled with that spirit? Just as you were hope, called in one hope of your calling. One hope, one body, one spirit, one calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This, this is getting powerfully intense. Verse 5, verse 6, one God, one Father. He's above all, He's acting through us all, and He's in us. And it says in verse 7, He has given you a measure of influence. He's given you a gift that no one else has. Why is it not being put where it needs to be? Why is it not walking in what God has called it to walk? That's why the Bible says those who mutilate the body, let's shut the eye. Let's not show up to the cameras next week. Let's not show up to the sound system. Let's not show up to the drums. Let's, let's not consider it important this week to show up to do our part. It's horrible. The world will never see what God intends to perform. This grace given to us, not indiscriminately, but as God chose, He put in each one the measure of His desire. He put in each one a measure of a desire. You say, Lord, I'm sorry. 
I've moved from my post. I left the gap. I didn't, I didn't come to the forefront like you desire. I'm not participating as you have called me. The Bible reminds us in Romans 5.12 that sin entered the world through one man. And through this man, death came to all. Only one of us has to be out of place and all of us are affected in the destruction and the distortion. Romans 5.12 As sin entered the world through one man. I wonder, I wonder two things. One, what is coming in because you're not at your post? And two, what is not bringing brought forth in the purpose of God because you're not developing in your discipleship the importance. Let me tell you something. When we're outside in the world, we care about no one. We get saved and now we start caring about the church. But when you get plugged into the church, my friend, God is going to call you to go to all the earth. God is going to use you to all the nations. That's your calling. And to not walk in that is confusion. The Bible also says that Christ came in in verse 17. If the trespass of one man allowed death to reign, how much more will God be able to fulfill in His abundant provision of grace in life through one man? Verse 18, Consequently, just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation, say with me, for all. You, you might think, this is just me on my day and I'm not going to participate. You have killed all. You have killed. You have destroyed And it says, as one brought judgment and offense to all men, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteousness, the free gift to all men, resulting in the life of God being evident. I'm saying, Lord, help me. I want to do my part. I don't want to be doing my part in my carnal mindset. I've I've challenged myself many times with respect of, of that one you know, fulfilling my one call, doing what I'm supposed to do. And I hope that today what I do helps you do what you need to do. I hope that today you let the Spirit of God fill your life. Mauricio, there's only one you. Nobody else is going to take your place. And when you're not here, it's not being done. There's only one Pepe. There's only one. And when he's not full of the Spirit of God, doing what God called him to do, it's not going to happen. Javier, you're only one. No one is going to take this place to another level but through you, through your family, through your girls, according to decisions made by the Spirit of God. Pedro Naranjo, no one's going to do what God has called you to do. You're that one man that must stand in that one gap to fulfill that one purpose, to pass this off to the next generation. Willie, there's no one else that could take your place. Omar, there's no one else that could take your place. And you're not standing in your place will cause a gap that will destroy a ship. It only takes one blow at the bottom of a boat to sink it. Ezekiel 22.30 says like this. A lot of times we think we could check out. We could remove ourselves. We don't have to participate. We don't have to be so radical. And there goes everybody going down because that one person who embraced that one attitude to speak that one word, to walk in the one attitude that does not pass on the glory of God. So in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, God says like this, I sought for one man. I'm calling that one man to that one place I've called him to who will stand and make a wall. Make a wall. Standing in that one place that God has called you to. You only get to that place through discipleship, 
through denying yourself, through picking up your cross, through going forward following the Lord. That one instruction that only you can fulfill. And I sought among them who would build the wall, who would make a hedge, who would stand in the gap before me so that it would not be destroyed. And you know what it says? I found no one. Throughout the years we've seen these men. They, they could do anything you tell them not to do. Pastor, I'll stand at the door. Who told you? I told myself. Pastor, I'll, I'll serve water. Who told you? No, I told myself. Pastor, I'll teach Sunday school. Who told you? Oh, I told myself. So that way, when I don't show up, I, n there's no effect for me not showing up because I only committed to that which I desired to commit to. And I won't be there when, when, when there's no one telling me to be there. I decide. And God says, I found no one. I'm seeing throughout the scriptures the many times that Israel stood there missing the, the link between one generation and the other. Missing the, that, that icon that was going to make the difference. Could we stand this morning? Could we stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you've given me a grace no one has. You've given me a gifting that no one has. You've given me a mind that no one has. In Psalm 106, verse 23, look how instrumental it was for Moses to listen to God, to move by the fear of God, by the instruction of God, to the place of God, to fulfill his calling. And it says in Psalm 106, 23, therefore he said that he would not destroy them. God promised, I'm not going to put away this people. And had it not been for Moses... One person who stood in the gap before him, in the breach, stand in the place where God had called them to stand. In order that God might turn away his wrath and not destroy them. I thank God for Dr. Molina standing on Saturdays, filling the gap, the breach of prayer and intercessory in this church. And for the, the team in the cafeteria who, who serves in the gap, not themselves. They're here serving in the capacity God has called them to. We would not be able to publish books without people like Javier Cornejo, who, who against all odds is saying, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to translate books for South America. Pastor Rivera, every time I have to go serve the Lord, and change the world. He stands in the gap. I could rest upon this man's shoulders. One man. One man called to be faithful. One man standing in the gap. One little butterfly that flaps his wings. Has the effect of huge consequences. You know why people are homosexual nowadays? Because of one seed that the devil has sown in their heart. One attitude of rebellion. One attitude of defiance. Just one. Growing up outside of the Spirit of God. A friend of mine, not a friend of mine, a gentleman here at the local television says, I said, where did you get all the things that you believe? He says, the spirits have told me. I said, listen, my friend, God gave one spirit. You need not to be listening to many spirits. It's one spirit. And through that spirit, the fruit of the spirit. It doesn't say the fruits of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit is love and peace and self-control and patience, and meekness, the fruit of the Spirit. So here God is bringing us into His oneness. 
He's bringing us into one church. Being a member one of the other. Some to see with eyes, some to speak with the mouth, some to hear with ears. I used to say when I was a baby Christian, I just want to be the little toe on the foot of the body of Christ. But then I found out that that little pinky toe on your foot gives the whole body balance. You couldn't walk without your pinky toe. And you know what that is? It's called loving those that are harder to love. It's giving you a good balance between being a religious bigot and you think you're better than everybody and being able to love the one that can't even do anything right. And so the measure of God is one. The Spirit of God is one. Spring of Life Fellowship is one. Changing the world is one vision. One people. One team. Everyone getting prepared. Getting trained up. Being corrected. And one person that falls in this place. And guess what? It will be published in all the newspapers of the world. One person that molests a child in here. One person that falls in adultery. One person that does something that doesn't honor God. Let's ask God, Lord, give us the power in this place of one. Give us the, the unity of one. I don't care what other people are doing. I don't care what other people are saying. I don't care where other people are going. This is one God, one purpose. There's only one church in the whole world. We're fellowshipping with men of God in churches all over the world. And we have one mind and one spirit and one understanding. Let's bow our heads. Father, this we don't understand in its wholeness, Lord, because you're perfect and we're not. We don't understand this in your truth, Lord, because our truths are many. Your truth is one. We don't understand this in the light we live for. We heard the other day that many people live in different areas of colored gray, Lord, but you dwell in everlasting light and there is no darkness in you, not even at, at, at a small glimpse, oh God. That your instruction is fair and it's the same for all our young people, Lord. There's only one instruction. We don't have to look to the side and see what other people are doing and hear other people's parents. You've only given us one set of parents. You've given us one pastor, Lord. You've made the instruction clear and sound and healthy and viable and fruitful, God. That our fruit might abound for your glory. We pray that your spirit would be in all of us here that gather, Lord. We're zealous, Lord. We... We, we really care about there being the unity of the Spirit. We don't like those that walk in a different spirit, dividing the body, sowing seeds of, of tares, Lord, sowing weeds amongst the wheat, O oh God. There's only one wheat, O oh God. There's only one grain. Father, we pray that we would eat off that one bread of life, that we would grow to be that one church, that one body that glorifies you in all things, Lord. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, Lord. But this requires your spirit to fall afresh upon us, O oh God. It requires us to be able to surrender. It requires us to be able to stand strong, steadfast. One church. One instruction, Lord. Perfecting the saints to one measure, one fullness. One stature, the Christ. Maturity, O oh God. Perfect man. Allow us to stand as one in this season. As you prayed in John chapter 17. Father, 
make them one as you and I are one so that the whole world might know that they belong to me. Lord, make your prayer come to pass in spring of life. Remove anything, the duplicity. Remove hypocrisy. Remove those that haven't loved you with all their heart and have not surrendered their all to the King of glory. Lord, that there might be a remnant that would shine forth and that would establish your purpose upon the earth, O God. As a mighty force and rushing wind, your Holy Spirit come upon us afresh so that we might go out and do one work. In Jesus' name we pray and the body of Christ says amen. 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 Greet one another in the love of the Lord.